I was once told that every election in BC is a referendum on whether the NDP should be given the opportunity to govern. And usually the answer, traditionally the answer is no thanks. It was different under John Horgan, at least after that first election back in 2015. In 2020, uh, or 20, 2017 and 2020, instead of flailing, he grew in popularity. To some extent, he really brought his party along with him, holding together different factions within his own party, whether it be environmentalists and labor and so forth, uh, the urban, the more rural vote, um, many parts of the province. Don't forget the BCNDP represent a pretty wide uh, swath of this province outside of the interior. Uh, but from the north uh, through Van- the Vancouver area, all of most, almost all of Vancouver Island. And whether you support the NDP or not, and of course there are many in the province who do not, uh, he did run a tight ship that few overtly, and there were few overtly public or exceptionally disastrous mistakes. That's one thing that was very noticeable and has been very noticeable about his leadership so far is the discipline with which the party acts and reacts to things. They make mistakes like every government. They have people have policies that people in their own party don't like. They do lots of things that people disagree with. Um, but on the whole, they maintained a pretty scandal-free government other than that huge uh, museum debacle that he just stood out in front of uh, a week ago to say they were going to cancel it and, and, and uh, for the time being do some more consultations. This was the rebuilding of the uh, Royal BC Museum, which happens to be right beside the legislature here in Victoria. And they were going to build a new one for almost $800 million. It was going to take an awfully long time. And they finally decided to put that on hold and do some consultations. But other than that, there haven't been many. Uh, scandals over the years. So that is a tough leader to replace, especially for a party that more often than not has found a way to shoot itself in the foot in this province, at least. Joining me now is Stuart Prest. He's a political science scientist at Simon Fraser University with more on Horgan's legacy and just how tough he will be to replace. So thanks for your time tonight. It's my pleasure. This has been speculated about for months now that John Horgan was not going to stay around. Does the timing surprise you at all in terms of exactly when he decided to announce that he was uh, going to step down? Well, yes and no. I think, as you mentioned, there had been a fair amount of speculation about this, given that he had gone through a a recent health scare. There was some wondering about whether he would continue on in the office. I think it was a bit surprising how quickly this all came to, to pass from a hint in an interview uh, on Friday that he'd have more to say on the subject to an announcement just a few days later that he is indeed going to be stepping away from, from the role of Premier. That That is uh, all quite uh, speedy in terms of turnaround. And yet I think speed was part of the goal here. One of the reasons uh, given for for why uh, make the announcement now and perhaps not a couple of weeks later after the there's an upcoming uh, council of the federation meeting with other premiers was to to eliminate any possibility of uh, of a round of speculation and uncertainty and to really try to ensure that the governance and the the process of uh, of transition in in this government is as smooth as as possible. So I think that was one of the goals here. I think you can also look at it from a longer term as well. The timing here makes a certain sense, given that Mr. Horgan was not sure that he would stay on for another full cycle. This is a good time for the party to engage in the process of renewal, to to choose a new leader and still have some time before the next scheduled election in 2024 to to introduce a successor to, to the province. You mentioned that Council of Federation meeting coming up. Obviously, healthcare is a huge issue for the provinces right now. John Horgan is the head of that. Is that going to have an impact on that meeting? I can say there were some questions today about whether or not he could have waited or perhaps the speculation about his future would have would have overshadowed some of what they were trying to get done at that meeting. 
I think that that uncertainty would have become a, a greater problem than any kind of continuity from from not having made the announcement uh, yet. I think there is a uh, a hope here on the part of the government, and I think it's well founded that given the, the the solidity of the NDP at this moment, they are in firm control of politics in the province with a, a, a solid majority and and uh, a pretty uh, firm support in the polls, even amid uh, the, the criticism of the recent, recently reversed Royal uh, BC Museum. Uh, the, the the party is in a relatively good pay, place here, and the, there's an assumption that any successor would continue on in, in roughly the same direction. So, so uh, Premier Horgan can continue to speak for the province and, and for the party, uh, and I'm sure his successor will be at pains to signal continuity with what has been, to this point, a, a quite a successful government. His legacy is interesting because even when I first arrived back in BC and he was still leader of the opposition, there were very few out there who ever predicted that he would A, be a, a, a premier or B, be a successful one. And he seems to have managed to have been both in the five years that he's been at the helm. Uh, it is a remarkable rise to to the very uh, pinnacle of politics here in the province, where uh, it's not even clear that he wanted the job uh, of leader to to begin with. When he stepped forward in in the leadership uh, campaign, I think it was in twenty fourteen. Uh, there really wasn't a lot of interest in the job. This was a, a really dispirited party having just lost an election. They seemed destined to win under uh, Adrian Dix against Christy Clark. There was uh, a feeling that this party just could not break through. And so it was not really uh, with any particular hopes of victory, I think, that that he stepped forward. It was almost out of a sense of duty to the party to, to ensure there was a competition for the office. And he's really grown into the position. And I think his willingness to to be human and to be a little bit vulnerable in the office has has put him in good stead. He understands this to be one chapter among many and not the, the sort of sole purpose of his life. And so he's willing to speak his mind a little bit more and to um, occasionally he seems to be able to make a mistake and acknowledge it as such and to apologize and, and try to take a different tack. And I think that has... Uh, uh, endeared him with with many in the province, and it has uh, helped build a reputation for a politician who is going to be relatively pragmatic, is willing to to admit mistakes and and do something different, and uh, has by and large steered this province through a whole series of, of choppy uh, choppy waters, literal and figurative storms uh, with with the changing climate, with pandemic and uh, uh, mudslides and then wildfires and then on and on. This is a province that has faced its fair share of challenges under his under his tenure. And uh, this government has been quite stable. There have been relatively few cabinet uh, shuffles and relatively controversy-free. There have been occasional wobbles along the way, but but it's a government of quiet competence, which is a real contrast with uh, what the NDP was known for in its previous go-round in the 1990s. Yeah, and I guess in this case, just the toll it's taken, I mean, not that they're directly related, but uh, John Horgan's worked very hard over the last uh, several years. And obviously, his health is a consideration following another bout with cancer recently. Um, I, I would imagine, at least listening to him today, that seemed to be the key to all of this, that he would have stayed on if he had been in good health. 
It seems like uh, that's the case, that uh, health is a real consideration here, and, and we're uh, all gratified to hear that he is currently healthy, but but the the combination of years in public spotlight and, uh, and recent uh, battle with cancer uh, is a significant, uh, significant concern. I think uh, uh, this offers a time for him to, to go out, out, of, uh, out of the office of Premier on his own terms and to, to continue to enjoy other aspects of life. And he was really at, uh, made a point of, of stressing how he's really looking forward to, to engaging in some of the more fun aspects of life, watching otters uh, during walks on the beach and so on. So he's uh, uh, somebody who seems to have been able to put this put this in context. And had he been in, in more robust health, uh, he, perhaps he would have continued on. But he certainly seems to be at peace with the decision. Yeah, I mentioned I was thinking that today that Trudeau had his walk in the snow. Pierre Elliott Trudeau had his walk in, in the snow and John Horgan had his walk on the beach, as he described it today, as sort of the turning point when he saw some otters playing and thought he should be having some more fun. Um, it's, it's, it's remarkable in many ways, just the fact that he's, I mean, for listeners to understand, if he had held on and won again, he's about to turn 63. He would have been heading towards his late 60s if he had, in fact, decided to stay on for another full term. That's right. And the, the calculations, they, they stretch onward. So it's one thing to feel to be in, in relatively good health now, but if he is feeling his, his energy dip, which is something he referenced as well uh, at this point, to, to commit to stay on now is to commit to fight the next election, which is two years out, and to stay on for a period of time beyond that, too. So I was looking at uh, another four years in harness in office. And, and so that is uh, uh, a considerable period of time. And, and who knows what the future holds for, for any of us in that period and so i think it's uh, um it's it's an acknowledgement and it it, it is uh, in keeping with a government that is relatively pragmatic this is a uh a good political choice for a party to to enter into a period of transition when they control the timing and the terms of that transition and to give themselves uh, enough runway to to be ready for the next election. So it is a, a cagey political decision as well as it seems like a, a good fit personally. I'm speaking with Stuart Prest, political scientist at Simon Fraser University. We're just talking today about the decision and the announcement from uh, BC Premier John Horgan that he will step down. Uh, there will be a leadership race coming up in the fall. He will hang on. He will stay on as leader until then. But he is calling it a day after five years as premier. Uh, one majority election win, one minority election win of a very, a very different kind uh, back in 20, uh, 2015. Uh, after this, of course, the question now, who can replace him? He's been something of a talisman for the NDP uh, for the last five or more years. How can he be replaced? Who will replace him? That's next. I'm speaking with Stuart Prest, a political scientist at Simon Fraser University. We're speaking about John Horgan's decision today. The BC uh, NDP Premier has uh, called it a day. He says he's going to step down uh, and allow for a leadership convention in the fall for to name a replacement. He will be uh, t- keep the position on until then. Uh, Stuart, this is, I mean, one of the things that struck me so much about John Horgan is he kind of reinvented the mold when it came to your sort of standard NDP leader in this country. Um, he was not, a pre- you know, he was not sort of pedantic. He was not professorial. He was not about always saying the right thing. He showed a vulnerability about him that I think was very endearing. Uh, it sort of offset some of his party's worst tendencies. Um, how much? How much can the party do without him right now? Even though his time, as he said, he said it was time to pass things on to a younger generation. 
It's a it's a good question. In some ways, it's the biggest question coming out of uh, today's announcement is what does the NDP do and what does it look like in a post-Horgan era? He has been the face of this government and the it, it pretty it's pretty clear that the trust that British Columbians have in this government is, is no uh, small part owing to the trust that uh, uh, he has, uh, dev- uh, the, the relationship he has developed with voters personally. And so whoever replaces him is going to have to find a way to somehow continue on or redevelop a, an analogous kind of relationship to to be the trusted face and, and uh, judge uh, judgment of, of this party and uh, and in so doing bring together these very disparate uh, factions that are currently uh, housed within the NDP coalition so that does span everything from more intellectual more environmentally concerned more urban voters young families in uh, what we would have called suburban or more rural uh, ridings a, a generation ago as the province continues to urbanize the NDP has made real inroads there but he's been able to uh, lead the party to to uh, appeal to those voters at south of the Fraser as well and uh, um, and to hold on to some of the traditional labor voters and I think that's where uh, someone like John Horgan has a real advantage to to be not seen as a, an ivory tower uh, elite kind of thinker but rather somebody who who understands value of of hard work and so on, and really understands the the need to support a a productive economy. And this is an NDP government that has uh, made some commitments on the environment, but has also continued to really encourage the resource industry in the province, much to the chagrin of some within the NDP coalition. And uh, and so it's been a real balancing act, and he's been able to manage that. And it will be remain to be seen whether his successor is able to hold together that coalition, which, when intact is a potent political force, but is pulling in in these very different uh, directions. And so that's going to be a real challenge. Do you think Horgan offered a temp, John Horgan himself, and just the way the party was structured under his leadership, offered a template at all for other NDP provincial parties, at least across the country, uh, to model themselves on to some extent, the idea of of trying to strike that balance? Because he seemed to appeal to a big enough cross-section of voters that you could look at uh, the kind of tactics he used or the sort of approach that he had and see it working in other parts of the country. Oh, absolutely. And I think he himself is is drawing on a template laid down by other successful NDP premiers in, in other provinces. When we look at uh, government of, of Gary Dewar in Manitoba or Romano in uh, Saskatchewan or, or even Rachel Notley, though she was not successful in winning re-election in the, the last Alberta election, that ability to appeal to wherever the center is in, in the province, and that varies from province to province, too, but to, to show that you are a, a politician who is... Uh, progressive in, in orientation, trying to bring about these incremental wins on these issues that really matter to, to voters on, on the left side of the political spectrum, but to do so in a way that is relatively responsible fiscally and is not going to be revolutionary in the approach of uh, upsetting some of the uh, the hard-fought compromises that exist in any political system. That is, a, again, it's a balancing act, but it, it's one that has worked very well, I think, for the, for this NDP government. And, and when the NDP is successful electorally at the provincial level, that is certainly uh, a, a common template that we've seen. Pragmatic, progressive, but, but cautious. I'd always heard that in BC, every election is a referendum on whether or not the NDP should be allowed to run the place. And uh, I guess in the case of John Horgan, uh, the answer was, I mean, at least the second time around, the answer was an unequivocal yes. What would you say were his his 
his greatest achievements, and perhaps given all that's happened since he he, he assumed power with with the pandemic, and as you mentioned, the wildfires, the uh, the floods, uh, sort of his his great success, and perhaps areas where he didn't get done what he had hoped to get done. Well, I think uh, in terms of legacy and in, in, uh, in policy and innovations, I think um, the, the first place you have to look is the response to the pandemic, really building a consensus within the province that really span parties. We even saw the BC Liberals uh, broadly in support of government's uh, positions on the response to the pandemic for, for more than a year in this province, and likewise the Green Party. And, and so building a an evidence-based approach to uh, uh, this unprecedented pandemic situation uh, and, and finding ways to, to uh, again, balance the concerns of those who are really uh, afraid for their health and their safety in, in the, the pandemic era against those who uh, chafed at any form of government restriction placed on them and to 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 skate between those two positions relatively successfully and in winning uh, the trust of, of voters on both sides of, of that divide, I think was a, a real hallmark to, to that more pragmatic approach to politics. Um, I think the, the decision to uh, pursue the uh, development of LNG, development of, of Site C, the, that uh, willingness to engage in large-scale infrastructure development and resource development will be a marker of this this government, both uh, for better and for worse, depending on one's political orientation. So I think those are our legacies as well. And I think uh, beyond that, it's just a, a series of, of incremental uh, worthwhile endeavors on things like insurance reform. And it's not the sexiest of programs, but it was an important one for, for British Columbians to get costs under control on that front and to try to start to turn the ship around in terms of housing affordability. And again, the, the jury is still out whether they have succeeded in doing so. We have to wait and see whether they're able to bring on board the uh, the, the supply and new housing that they have promised. Uh, but but uh, that, that kind of incremental uh, approach to a number of important files is, is I think, the, the key hallmark of this government. And unlike most politicians, most leaders specifically, it looks like John Horgan's going to be able to exit stage left a popular leader, which is uh, as rare as it comes these days. Stuart Press, thank you so much for your time tonight. Always a pleasure. Thank you, man.